Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investment, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I support a growing community of top climate and ESG leaders as the Chief Experience Officer at Nations Wealth, and I'm an advisor to the climate practice at IDEO. I'm also an investor and startup advisor, and when it comes to climate action, I know I'll be a lifelong learner always looking to have more impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Sign up for updates and suggest ideas for future episodes at investedinclimate.com. Follow us on social, subscribe, and spread the word. Thanks for joining. Raise Green exists to make it easy for you to take real climate action by putting your money into clean energy and climate projects at the community scale. And every day that goes by that we don't put capital toward climate solutions is a day that we lose to make direct and significant societal change. So step up and take action. Climate solutions need to be deployed at scale, across industries, and ultimately influence the lives of, well, everyone. And yet, it's still hard for most people to invest in and access the solutions our future relies on. Today's episode looks at two companies focused on increasing access to climate tech, both for investors as well as for consumers. Raise Green is an investment platform that enables non-accredited investors to invest in climate solutions ranging from climate tech startups to energy efficiency retrofitting programs to green bonds to renewable energy projects and more. I'm a fan of Raise Green's approach, helping people invest across a spectrum of climate solutions and helping more diverse entrepreneurs raise capital. And full disclosure, I'm a Raise Green investor. The other company is We Solar a community solar developer. WeSolar enables more people to access residential solar and it successfully raised capital on Raise Green. Today we're joined by the CEO and founders of Raise Green and WeSolar, Franz Hochstrasser and Crystal Hansley. Both Franz and Crystal bring fascinating backgrounds and perspectives. We talk about the genesis and aspiration of each of their companies, where they are in their journeys, and what it takes to educate people about investing in climate opportunities. Okay, here we go. Enjoy. Franz and Crystal, welcome to Invested in Climate. So great to have you both here today. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Where are you both dialing in from? I'm dialing in from Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm dialing in from Washington, D.C., over on H Street. Oh, fantastic. Well, great to have two friends from the Atlantic Coast. Let's get started by learning about both of you. I don't often have two entrepreneurs join who both have backgrounds in government. And perhaps that's fitting given the focus of both of your companies in democratizing access to climate tech. But let's hear about your stories. Crystal, will you kick us off? Tell us a bit about your background and how it led to founding WeSolar. My name is Crystal Hansley. I'm the CEO of WeSolar. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I'm also a former foster youth, and my grandparents adopted me at the age of 12. My grandmother was a community organizer, so I am actually a fourth generation community organizer. And that's what actually attracted me to the environmental justice, um, just transition industry, and how I found myself in community solar 
After leaving my 10-year stint in politics on Capitol Hill, I'm a graduate of Howard University. I majored in political science. And while in D.C., I had a chance to lobby on behalf of nonprofits and hospitals, um, schools. And then I also spent some time working as an advisor to the former United States Senator, Senate Majority Leader, Harry Reid. And then I also worked as a case advisor in the district office for Eleanor Holmes Norton um, to really see how federal legislation was implemented on the ground. So I have like a nice holistic background, whereas, you know, I go from lobbying on behalf of the people to then advising some of the policies on how to solve those issues from a community-centric point of view. And then also the follow-up, because there's a gap between, oh, theory and macro policy, but how it's actually being deployed or employed. And so now with community solar being one of the hottest verticals in the solar space, I just saw that as an opportunity to merge my political community organizing with the environmental space and the need to transition um, from fossil fuels. And yeah, um, I can share more about the WESOL emission, but that's a little bit about me. Fantastic. Thank you, Crystal. We will definitely circle back and learn a lot more about community solar and really how it connects to your community organizing background and, and the importance of community solar. Franz, let's turn to you. Tell us a bit about your story. Similarly, you know, I, I grew up out in California, but I got very entranced with politics early on in my life and actually joined the Obama campaign in 2008 and uh, was a, a field organizer as well. So I kind of got my start in, in community organizing as well for electoral politics and really rode that that wave all the way to Washington, D.C. Uh, after the, the campaign and worked in various jobs in the Obama administration. My first job was actually at the USDA deploying Recovery Act dollars from the, the previous largest climate investment in U.S. history. And then I, I had an opportunity to go and work at the White House Council on Environmental Quality and ultimately at the U.S. State Department, uh, where I helped negotiate the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. Uh, and then I took kind of all of those experiences and went back to graduate school and really synthesized and, and studied and uh, came up with this business model for Raise Green, uh, which puts together the opportunity to get more people involved. So drawing on that you know, community organizing uh, background and ethos and it, the inclusive approach to uh, solving problems, and then uses it to drive more capital into climate solutions. Um, and so I've been running Raise Green as the CEO and co-founder for the last five years. Thanks, Franz. Really fascinating to hear about both of your backgrounds with government and it does make a lot of sense given the missions of your company and uh, so glad for that intersection because it can make such a difference as you think about including more people in accessing climate tech. Franz, let's go deeper with you for a bit and then we'll circle back to Crystal. Franz, you're the founder and CEO of Raise Green, an investment platform that enables more people to invest in climate solutions. Let's start with the why. There's already many online investing platforms. Why is there a need for one focus specifically on climate? To begin with, you know, the IPCC uh, just came out with their sixth assessment report that effectively says, you know, we are in the, the last few years of really being able to uh, prevent the planet from going into 1.5 degrees Celsius of warming, at which point we start to trigger tipping points. So in other words, we are living through one of the most critical periods in human history uh, to prevent catastrophic climate change. And, and as a result, 
you know, we need everybody involved in, in tackling this problem. So we can't just have uh, the, the moneyed interests um, going after it. We can't just have governments. We literally need every person in, in every station of, of life to take action. So at Raise Green, we really see two unmet market needs that we are trying to, to solve as the climate investment platform. One is that people are yearning for something they can do about this problem. 85% of individuals and 99% of millennials, according to Morgan Stanley, want more sustainable investment options, not just greenwashed public equities. Ultimately, what we need to do to solve the problem is deploy more projects, get more actual clean energy on the grid, get more climate solutions to move through the commercialization stages and into the hands and, and into the ground in everyday life. Um, so that whole of society mobilization happens through activating people to fund projects and uh, raise greens really just the plumbing to help enable that to happen um, more quickly and, and in a more inclusive way. So uh, we are working to connect climate investors who can put in as little as $100 into clean energy projects or climate companies like Crystals and unite those climate companies that are seeking capital that want to structure those offerings in a way that drives uh, community awareness and more adoption um, for their products as well. So turn their customers into investors or investimers, as some folks like to call it. Very good. Franz, for many people, when they hear about crowdfunding, they think of donation or rewards-based crowdfunding, platforms like Kickstarter. RaiseGreen belongs to what's known as investment crowdfunding. Tell us about this space, how it emerged and how it's evolved and the importance of the role it plays today. You know, Kickstarter is sort of the most popularized version of crowdfunding, and that is donation-based crowdfunding, as you said, um, where, you know, you, you put your money into a project, maybe they send you the product if they ever make one, or, you know, they send you a t-shirt or a water bottle, but you are literally donating your money to them. They have no obligation to give you anything back. So the difference is that Raise Green is an SEC and FINRA registered marketplace or a funding portal is the formal word. And so when we sell securities, there is actually a contract between the company that has raised money and the crowd investor who has given them the money. And that is anything from a debt note where they're borrowing and have a fixed income repayment schedule where they have to repay uh, the investor to a convertible security of some type, like a simple agreement for future equity or a convertible note or actual equity uh, in the in the company that uh, the entrepreneur, the climate entrepreneur is building. Um, so that's, that's really the difference is that there is an obligation, a legal obligation when you make an investment from the company to pay you back if and when they can. Great. Well, tell us about some of the companies and, and projects that have raised money on Raise Green. Lucky to be joined by, by Crystal here today. She is leads We Solar, and they are one of the companies that, that has used Raise Green to raise capital. Uh, we've also had some big names in, in climate tech like Block Power. Uh, they've raised about $3 million on the marketplace from several hundred investors. Connecticut Green Bank actually used Raise Green and, and it has used Raise Green now for five successive offerings to sell uh, green bond certified offerings for as little as $100 that anyone can buy into. Uh, and then we've had you know, solar projects on community centers uh, and schools. And we've had water filtration startups, bioplastics, uh, energy storage. We try to cover the gamut of climate solutions to capture the imagination and the opportunity that's that's inherent in this massive uh, 
you know, economic and uh, societal shift toward uh, low carbon technologies. And give us a quick sense. What sort of scale have you reached so far? How many companies and projects and how many investors have invested in Raise Green? You know, we like to think of what we're building as a community. And we have a growing community of about 3,000 investors at this point, 20,000 members, folks that are receiving our newsletter. So we'd love to have folks who are listening sign up. Uh, you don't have to pay anything to open an investor account or to get on our newsletter. Uh, and you can invest for as little as $100. Uh, in total, we've mobilized about $6 million in capital. And to date, that's across 24 different deals. Uh, but we have a, a pipeline now of over $100 million of folks who are ready to list their projects um, and looking for uh, investors like you all. Great. Franz, one of the goals I know for Raise Green, as well as just for investment crowdfunding overall, is not just to make investing more accessible, but also making capital raising more inclusive and equitable. Tell us about your track record working with underrepresented founders and really improving access to, to capital. We are a deeply mission-driven business. We started the company uh, with the goal of unlocking access to capital for particular areas of climate that are underrepresented. And that's both from the project type and the company type um, and the difficulty in getting capital towards those sectors. But it's also, you know, who's, who's running those companies and who's building that future that we need because this transformation from a dirty to clean energy economy really is an opportunity for us to right some of those historical wrongs. You know, environmental justice communities um, and fence line communities have been left behind historically as industry continues to advance. And this is a tremendous opportunity to, uh, to change that. We have been very intentional about that. Um, more than half of the capital raised through Raise Green has gone toward either black or women or uh, underrepresented founders, which is better than uh, 10x the industry average in venture capital. So happy about that. And then we've also you know, driven almost 100 jobs, about 50,000 tons of CO2 emissions reductions. Um, so both social and environmental benefits uh, are core to what we are calibrating uh, our efforts toward. Thank you, Franz. Crystal, let's turn to you. Your company, as Franz has mentioned, is actually one that's successfully raised capital on Raise Green. So let's hear a bit about We Solar. And like Franz, let's start with the why. What's the problem that We Solar is aiming to help solve and why is it needed? I would like to approach that question in two ways. Front-facing, we are directly in the communities that are impacted by climate change disproportionately. And so those communities need to have access to the economic resilience that renewables provide, like savings, like grid protection. And so to be able to generate solar and virtual subscriptions and deliver those to those who would not communities who would not have access to solar, that is a huge impact for diversification and making sure all communities have access to clean tech. And I would say the other side from an industry point of view, who else is best suited to address the community needs when you have entrepreneurs that are actually in those communities and founders and entrepreneurs of color BIPOC um, do not traditionally have access to VC capital. Less than 1% of venture capital goes to minority um, BIPOC leaders. 
it's probably worth taking a step back just to make sure listeners understand what community solar is. It's sometimes also uh, called virtual solar. Help us understand how the community solar market has developed and the role that it's playing and expect it to play in the future. Yes. So when you think of solar, most people think, oh, I need to own a home because you're actually building and developing a solar system on top of your roof. Community solar really brings 80% of the market that was outside of that, meaning if you lived in a condo, an apartment, you now can have the solar through community solar, which is an off-site location that's just generating the solar power to the grid. There's about 22 states that have a version of community solar with Maryland and DC being one of the, the two of the 22 states. Um, and so, yeah, just think of it as a new way, um, a more inclusive way, accessible way for those who would not have access to rooftop solar can now tap into those offsite solar farms and have a virtual credit uh, solar subscription directly applied or that savings directly applied to their electricity bills, utility bills. So if I understand correctly, Crystal, is that when you sign up for WeSolar or any sort of community solar and you're getting a savings, it's actually a savings that's applied against your existing utility bill. Is that right? That is correct. When you sign up for a community solar subscription via WeSolar, it does not impact your bill. You keep the same utility provider. You now just saying, hey, I know that there's community solar generation. I want this product. I want to support my local green energy solar company. And now you just see that credit directly applied to your utility bill. So if you're in Chicago, Illinois, that would be Comet. Hey, now you have a community solar credit on that bill. If you're in DC, now you have a community solar credit in Pepco. If you're in Baltimore, now you have a community solar credit and um, BG&E. So that's simply a savings credit. Crystal, looking at the WeSolar website, it's clear that you've partnered with several solar developers and you're currently offering several projects to your community. And community solar is, a, of course, a competitive space. Tell us about WeSolar's competitive advantage that's helping you build these partnerships with solar developers. I would say that WeSolar has a very competitive narrative in the community solar space. One of the main issues that we solve is that, hey, most community solar developers have a problem acquiring those customers because of the education learning curve that's associated with not just community solar, but any new vertical that isn't just look at the label and understand what it is, right? And so when you have to sell a learning curve, like a technical a product like community solar, you really need to have trust. And trust and overcoming that, especially in communities, that have been targeted and profiled by other previous energy actors, bad actors, um, to sell a product that they virtually, they physically cannot see is a very hard thing to do. Whereas because I have a community background as a founder and I've spent decades of in the community, I'm able to offer a superior product to developers who want to deploy rapidly to say, hey, we would like to partner with WeSolar to manage our acquisitions and our subscribers because I have just a cheaper customer acquisition cost because of my brand, but also I already invested in the social capital along with having a cultural competency to reach those communities, whereas you just can't hire a marketing company and do blitz 
and robocall folks when you have this huge trust issue. So that's how we're able to really work with other developers and states and federal um, leaders who want to see the market reach their successful goals of a 700% increase over the next three years. And we are in a position to really quickly subscribe customers and any developer that's looking for a company that can sell community solar, that's what we do. And that's what we have on our website. Crystal, how do you expect those partnerships with solar developers to evolve over time? We're in um, a growth stage. So right now we are subcontracting to the main contractors. I know it's a lot of verbiage, but essentially we assist community solar acquisition companies. And to me, for our investors, it just shows proof of concept. We are growing to actually go after those contracts and be the main contractor since we're doing all of the work. Great. And for a customer that's interested in one of these projects, walk us through how it works for them. What do your users actually do and experience when they sign on to use WeSolar? On our platform, folks would come into go to wesolar.energy and look for their utility by state. Right now, we have access to over 13 states. We're in 13 states by subcontractors. And they will find a community solar system that's directly submitting virtual credits to their utility. It's about a five-minute application process. There's no credit check. You do not have to pay anything. And you automatically receive a savings based off of the different solar requirements of that state or that city and how that solar project was financed. And so savings can vary from five to 50%. And it would be based off of the state as well as the household's income. So if anyone is essentially looking to save money and go green, and they do not have access to a rooftop system, or it can put a rooftop system on their roof, they can go to WeSolar, sign up for a subscription in five minutes, and have those savings applied to their bill the following month. Clearly, a big part of the work that you're doing and the need for community solar is getting more people interested in solar and and educating them about the benefits and how it all works. So tell us about how that works in practice. What are you doing to recruit more community solar customers and what's working best for you as you are out there helping educate more customers? I would say being authentic, uh, you have a lot of opportunists because this is a time where we have a large amount of money going into climate change. And when you have a lot of movement that's happening at the whole scale, folks are really skeptical about everything and they also don't understand it. So I think just having a brand from a community lens that's doing the work that allows us to cut through a lot of white noise and really speak to the communities that we're serving. It's almost like when somebody um, signs up for a social media account and you have those accounts that have authentic followers versus those accounts that have maybe a lot of followers, but they're bots, right? And the ones that have those authentic followers, it's organic, it's spreading. That's what our brand is, right? We're not buying customers. We don't have to sell ourselves because we are what we deliver. And to me, to have a successful 
business like race green or we solar it those are the motifs that's you know that's reoccurring when you have when you're true to the mission when you have authenticity when you have proof of concept you have a track record you will succeed in whatever your mission is thank you crystal france communicating to people about climate change and getting them to actually part with their money and and make investments is something that you're also gaining a lot of experience with what's working and what have you learned doesn't work as well? Yeah, lots and lots. Um, so when you ask a crowd of people what they think the most influential human emotion is, mostly you get the answer fear. And actually, the studies that I've, I've seen suggest that it's, in fact, pride that is the most motivating emotion. Pride actually comes from the things that Crystal was talking about, trust, your belief, hope, uh, and opportunity and access. When we think about communicating on climate, we think about activating trust and belief and and hope and opportunity. And that comes from giving access. So nine out of 10 Americans before, basically for the last hundred years who are non-accredited investors, which means they make less than $200,000 a year or are worth less than a million in, in net worth, have not had access to invest in private companies that aren't traded on the stock market. We get pride and trust and hope when we have real buy-in and folks can put their money into things that they believe in. And that, I think, is a lot of what what We Solar represents. Um, and that's what Raise Green is designed as a tool uh, to help further. There's actually a new study out from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences just this week that talks about basically the state of the art of climate change mitigation interventions for behavioral change. Um, and what guides that. And some of their subgroup analysis suggests that uh, financial incentives and social comparisons are the two most effective things that kind of drive people's behavioral change. So that is that means you know, giving somebody a way to, to benefit financially from taking an action and then giving them the ability to talk to their neighbors about uh, why they did it to influence their neighbors and to give them that same access and and opportunity. These are sometimes called credibility enhancing displays. When I hear something from somebody I trust as a confidant or as a friend, I'm much more likely to take that advice uh, than I am if I hear it blasted across my Netflix screen or in my social media feed uh, from some paid advertisement. It comes down to to trust. It comes down to leaders that you believe in and, and hearing those messages and the story that motivates you to be proud of taking that action. Um, what doesn't work, I think, are doom and gloom and you know complexity without education. You know, we've seen those that try to rip down individual and collective climate action call upon you know how futile efforts are when in fact literally every effort that we take right now ripples uh, for generations because of how critical a time it is to reduce emissions and and to transform our economy. It really summarized kind of like the it factor about We Solar. And I struggle with that because I'm really modest in a sense. I'm like, yeah, we're doing some cool stuff, but it's authentic. And I don't really have like that external uh, psychoanalysis of what my brand and what we're doing from an outsider point of view. And I can honestly say that it is pride, right? Like when people invest or part or sign up, 
we deliver a different type of punch um, in a sense that, and we're able to punch way above our weight class as a smaller firm because we have that authentic buy-in. And when folks say, oh yeah, we're part of the We Solar community, we're supporting these BIPAC leaders that's really addressing climate change that impacts their community the most as a society. Like people are very proudful and prideful of that. And so, wow, you actually gave me an answer to something that I really didn't understand. So thank you for that. And I just wanted to add on to that. That was just like, so I was like, oh my God, that's it. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, Crystal. It's very cool to see how each of your experiences helping people invest in climate solutions really unlocks insights for one another. Now, Crystal, I'd love to hear about your experience with Raise Green. You successfully raised money through the Raise Green platform. Tell us about that experience. Raise Green is one of the most important financial institutions in our space. It allowed We Solar to hire very senior, high-level executives out the gate. And that is really important to be able to scale and to show dominance in the marketplace, especially when we're talking about a very competitive industry. No one cares if I'm a woman leader when I'm negotiating a pot purchase agreement or I'm going up against um, large um, solar companies that have hundreds of folks on their team and lawyers, but it at least allow me to play with the big boys because now I'm able to have access to capital. I'm able to use the narrative and the platforms of raising money, but also allows me to get my story out there. So when I'm raising money and when any founder is raising money on the platform, not only are they raising money to the public um, and having that community equity capital going into your business, but you're also attracting subscribers. You're attracting more environmental justice leaders who wouldn't have been able to hear about you because it's a holistic marketing strategy. It's really critical for folks to diversify and look for options outside of the traditional like energy equities or public equities. It's almost like a partner marriage in heaven because now you have a platform that says, hey, I not only have been through walking other founders through this process, but I actually believe in what you do authentically. So we was able to raise over $200,000 on the platform and that allowed us working capital to recruit um, executive talent for the WeSolar team. Thanks, Crystal. Franz, you're actually in the midst of a crowdfunding campaign yourself. You have a campaign on WeFunder to raise money for Raise Green, and that campaign is open until the end of April. Tell us about the opportunity and why listeners should check it out. We've been building this business now uh, in market for going on three years, and we've been raising capital through private issuances under Reg D, like most businesses, which can only be invested in by accredited investors for the most part, uh, or venture capitalists. We finally basically decided we need to put our stock where our company values are. We need to actually live our truth here and open up our own community round so that we can let folks buy into Raise Green and own a piece of, of what we're building. And we've found that, you know, thus far, uh, there, there's a great reaction from folks that have put in as little as $100 into Raise Green and uh, support us, not just as investors on our marketplace, but also as owners of our business as well. Um, So we want that rising tide to truly lift all boats. And uh, that's why we came to market with our own community round. 
Franz, we've definitely heard some really clear arguments about the good that Raise Green is doing, about the beneficial role in the climate finance ecosystem and the impact on climate and on opening access for more founders and investors. But what about Raise Green as a business? How big can it be? And what are some of the key metrics and milestones that you're aiming to reach to make the business a success as well? Yeah, you, you just triggered a memory for me. Back in 2019, in the early days, uh, we got invited to go and speak at the, the UN uh, Climate Summit in New York at, at UN headquarters. And I, I gave a speech about what we were doing and uh, sang, you know, one of the one of the sort of activist songs of people going to rise like water, got to calm this crisis down. I hear the voice of my great granddaughters saying, keep it in the ground. And after my speech, the announcer said, did we just hear the birth of a new economy? And then he said, well, it is if we want it to be. The future is what we choose. And I think that's kind of what the IPCC report says is this generation, this moment in time is the moment in which we are deciding what the future 50, 100 years are going to look like. It can be as big as we make it. Uh, there are $5 trillion in checkable deposits sitting in Americans' bank accounts that are gathering dust. And as we just have seen with the SVB collapse and, and signature bank collapse, banks are also uh, not necessarily the greatest place to keep your money. It's really a choice for anyone. This is not financial, legal accounting, or tax advice, FYI. But from a fundamental standpoint, we take a success fee on each dollar raised and we have no limitations on how much transactions and how, how many listings we can do or how many people can invest. You know, we want to be going from 3,000 investors this year to 30,000 investors next year to 300,000 the following year. And that takes a lot of credibility enhancing displays, a lot of trust, um, and a lot of amazing companies like Crystal's stepping forward and saying, hey, we want to raise capital through a community round as well. And we'll work with Raise Green to structure it. And if you're successful and able to go from 3,000 to 30 to 300,000, what sort of business does that create for Raise Green? It does create a significant economic opportunity uh, for us. We've driven about half a million dollars in revenue to date collectively. The opportunity I think is is immense as we go into this stage of having the Inflation Reduction Act in place and having the certainty that that provides to all climate technologies, according to Climate Tech VC, reducing the costs of climate technologies by an average of about 40% because some of those incentives are super high. You know, We view this, this year, 2023, as the year of climate investing, and we want to drive a million in revenue this year alone um, or more. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, um, this can be the largest climate investing community in the world. Uh, but it comes back to, you know, what that moderator said back at the UN, which is if we choose. And it's a choice that, you know, people make every day in their daily lives. Thanks, Franz. Crystal, what about you? What's next in your trajectory? And what are some of the key milestones and aspirations that you're aiming for? 
I would say some of our milestones is one we did about 200,000 in revenue. We're on track to do about 2.6 million, largely because of the largest investment into renewables and just a 700% increase in my vertical community solar. So we are taking on larger acquisition portfolios and dealing with more high-end clients that's looking for some environmental social impact solutions. I mean, I would say a milestone is to scale from a person of five to 50 to 500. I see we solar as being able to go public one day. And so, yeah, I would like, you know, more opportunities for the start. And I want more competitors. Right. And with more crowdfunding um, and as Raise Green is more folks being able to enter into this space that look like me. That's the future that I want to see where I'm attending conferences And I'm not one out of a hundred. Crystal, Franz, we're nearing the end of our time together. Any final points before we wrap up? Maybe I'll hit on just one stat that I heard, which is, you know, 91% of human adults on the planet today have a smartphone within arm's reach almost every hour of every day. And, you know, Raise Green exists to make it easy for you to use that immense computing power. Uh, to take real climate action uh, by putting your money into clean energy and climate projects at the community scale. Uh, so we would encourage you to do it. You know, check it out. And every day that goes by that we don't put capital toward uh, climate solutions is a day that we lose to uh, make direct and, and significant societal change. So just calling on everyone to uh, step up and uh, take action. I would add that communities know best what their problems are and they're most primed to solve those issues. They're right there. And so having resources is the main issue and they don't have the resources to solve the problems that they have the solutions to. So making more available like crowdfunding through Race Green, it allows those communities to address the problems by providing the resources that they need. Crystal, Franz, thank you so much for being here today and for the incredible work that you're both doing. Thank you so much, Jason, and great chatting with you both. Thanks, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Franz. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.